Well, good morning, church. Again, I, I, I know that, you, like me, you felt the presence of the Lord during that time of worship, and our hearts were lifted towards Him. And uh, I want to go ahead and share a word with you that I'm going to carry on our series that we started five weeks ago, and it's been prepared a few months before that, and all I can do is thank the Lord for His timing and what we've been doing. Uh, it's perfect. Think about it. We're doing this series called Words to Live By. Is that not something that we need to be focused on because of so much access to information we have? We have so much at our fingertips, at our disposal, that we can look at. And if we're not careful, we get locked into what other people are saying. And, and we get all kind of mixed messages and signals that if we're not careful, will allow our hearts begin to fear. will allow um, fate and doom to almost come over and take us over. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is not shaken one bit by what's going on. Now, he's very intricately aware and detailed of what's going on, but he's got plans and purposes for all of it. And so as we look and carry on our words to live by, I just want to give a recap real quick. So the first one was um, where we looked at in, um, before we get to that one, I want to go over our scripture that we've been carrying along, and it actually tells us to keep our focus on Jesus. If you got your Bibles, you can open them to Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 2, and I'm reading from the message, and it says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. And it, it says, one translation says, Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because he's the one that initiated everything we have. And so we got to study how did he do it? How did he live so well in the midst of all that he had going on in their society? And it goes on to say, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That, exil that exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God, making intercession for you and me. That's what he's there doing right now. And the first week we looked at was the whole, the, the very key of what Jesus wanted to do. It's what he'd been doing. The words that he's sharing on the cross were the words that he lived by. And so the first statement that he made on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, I want to know, is there anybody out there that can say, you've done things and you don't know why you're doing what you do? Well, Jesus understood that. And he said, Father, they're going to be doing some things that they don't even know the depth or the height or what's going on or why they're even doing it. But Father, forgive them. Now, he did it from the he was saying it to the people that had just beaten him mercilessly and and really had done such terrible things to him. And he's saying it to them. How much more to us? And so the second and so we looked at the power of forgiveness. And I challenge you that if there's anybody at this time, especially having a time to sit back and to think about some things, think about, is there somebody that's done something, said something that you need to forgive? This is a great time to clear that debt, to, to let them free. And in so doing, you actually free yourself. And so I challenge you to do that. The second saying that Jesus had dealt with us as well. He answered, there was two thieves on the cross. One of them was giving him a hard time and saying, if you're the son of God, get us out of this mess. I, he wanted him to do that. But Jesus realized he couldn't save us and save himself at the same time. But the other thief that was sitting next to him, he said simply, remember me. Master, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he said. 
And Jesus told him in Luke 23, he said, Jesus answered, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And so Jesus promised paradise. This man didn't have anything he could have done good. There wasn't anything he could. He didn't have any works that he had that he could say, look how good I've been. He had one thing he had to do. And that was simply trust that Jesus was who he said he was. And Jesus promised him paradise. If you haven't done that, this is a great day to put your trust. Go all in for him. The third one was, it also dealt with us. And it's where he is there. It's still, it's still light out. Uh, it hadn't gotten dark yet. It's still, this is between 9 and 12 in the morning. And he looks and he sees his mother down there and, and, three, and two other ladies with him. And the disciple John was there. And he looks at them and he makes the statement, Woman, here's your son. And the disciple he said, here's your mother. And said, from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And we're even as Jesus was going through the roughest time of his physical life, he was still remembering that, hey, we have to take care of other people. And that's a, that's a word for us, that even though this, this virus that has gone uh, kind of crazy in our society, we still have to realize we need to take care and look out for each other. And we're doing that here as a church, and we have many ways. We're, we're calling people, and, and we're trying to reach out. We're reaching out by letters and, uh, and many other things that we're trying to do. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Last week, there was a shift. There was a turn. We saw there's a shift on the cross, and there was a shift on the message as well. Because up until that point, it was all directed towards us. And then Jesus made a statement. At 12 o'clock, things began to get really dark. And it started to get rough. And Jesus, for the first time, made a statement that really challenged our theology. Their, the people there watching as the clouds began to roll in in the middle of the day and things got dark. He made a statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wow. And, and our pastor, Pastor Mark Anthony, did a great job of explaining. Here it is, God asking God about being forsaken. And he, he, he really gave us a clue and a great understanding of what it is that, hey, even in the dark moments when we feel forsaken, we can still go to God with our wives. That it doesn't, uh, it doesn't scare him, it doesn't shake him off. He actually welcomes us to do that. And it's in our wives that we'll figure out the what's and we'll figure out the where and the how-to's. And I encourage you to, to go look at that. Today, we're still in the dark place. It's still very dark. It's towards the end of Jesus' uh, time on the cross. And as we, as we start getting a little bit closer to the end, he also makes another statement that's about himself and what he's struggling with and what he's going through. And in uh, Matthew 27, verse 45 and 46, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus, oh, excuse me, I'm all, I, 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 I messed that verse. That was the last week. <laughs> this is this week, sorry. This is one in John 19 that John recorded. I, let me finish that up for you. He said, my God, my God. Eli, Eli, lama sababaktini, which means, my God, my God, why have you taken me? And that was a great one. This week, this is the one we're going to. It's our fifth week in the study of words to live by. And Jesus said, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said these words, I'm thirsty. 
I'm thirsty. Let me ask you, have you ever been thirsty? I mean, for those of you who have children, you don't have to ask that question. They always go, Mama, I'm thirsty. And they'll, they'll sit there and wear you down until you get them something to drink. And Jesus did this, the first part of that saying, in order to fulfill scripture, he had to say that. Like last week, uh, when we looked at the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We found out that really he was just quoting a psalm in Psalms 22. Well, the same thing in Psalm 22, he's still quoting that verse. And in verse 15, he says, my mouth is dry like a clay pot and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Now, it's amazing here that Jesus still in all of his agony is fulfilling all the scriptures that were prophesied about him. I don't know if you know it or not, but over 380 prophecies in the Old Testament told about Jesus, who he would be, where he would be born, what he would go through, how he would die on the cross. Some of the amazing facts that blow my mind, and it was really to, to, to leave no doubt that he is who he says he is. He is the King of Kings. He is the Son of God. He is our Savior, our Messiah, the one that we're to look to, the, the game changer, the one that took all of our sins upon him. He's the one that God anointed to bring us back in right standings with himself. You know, I think of the thing of the whole thing of crucifixion. Jesus sitting there dying on the cross, it was prophesied a thousand years before there was even a thing called crucifixion. Before the Roman rule, before they even knew what a cross was. Like in that day when they prophesied about it and going, a cross, what's a cross? They had already known, God knew that that was going to take place. And even now, he saw him, he prophesied over a thousand years before that he was going to be on the cross and he would fulfill this, I'm thirsty. There's, there's a, there's a thirst that's coming over me. It's amazing that to, to realize that Jesus, the humanity that he displayed during that moment, you know, all of us have thirst. I believe that we have three major types of thirst because we are actually a three, a triune being. We have a physical body. We have a spirit and we have a soul. And I believe that we have physical thirst. I believe we have a, a, a emotional thirst. And I believe we have this thing we call spiritual thirst. I believe our physical thirst is easy to tell. Anybody that's done any type of exercise and here in southeast Georgia, it, we're coming into a season that it gets real hot and you don't usually have to tell somebody, hey, get something to drink because we stay thirsty. The, matter of fact, uh Doctors and scientists say that by the time you feel like you're thirsty, you're already about a quart down of what you should have been drinking. And so we have to watch out for our physical thirst. Also, let me say this, that um, those thirst, these inclinations we have where I'm thirst, we have to watch how we fulfill those. You know, it's funny that a lot of companies are trying to buy for business and, and they say, hey, if you drink this, it'll satisfy you 100%. And I want to tell you, there's no physical drink that we can have where we will, that it'll satisfy everything. It'll satisfy our physical desire, just like this here that I have this morning. I'm going to take a little swig of this. Maybe you're sitting there drinking a cup of coffee or an orange juice or something. Look, physical thirst is important, but also the, the emotional thirst. That one plays out a little bit different. You know, when you think about emotions and thinking about thirsty emotionally, think about some of the books you read. 
Think about some of the movies that you watch. Think about some of the, 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 the music you listen to. There's an emotional attachment to it. I, I'll go even to say this. One of the divine distractions we have right now is this thing of sports. <laughs> Me personally, I'm a sports fanatic. I love it. When they, when they decided to cancel the, all of the sporting events, I mean, there was a shockwave that went through this country, not this country, but all over the world. I mean, most of us know that this was supposed to be a time of March madness, and we were prepared for that, but we weren't prepared for this madness. Um, personally, you know, this is not to get off topic anyway, but there was, when this first came out, that, hey, they're going to start, it was on a Wednesday that they announced that they were going to cancel the March Madness, all the terms. It was in the middle of the SEC, starting the SEC tournament, and there were two teams at 3.30 that Wednesday that were supposed to play. Some of y'all know who I'm, what I'm talking about. There was this place called Georgia Bulldogs or something like that, you know, my son's alma mater, and the Florida Gators, and I personally, this is just my own take, I personally think somebody made a call and said, hey, cancel it quick, 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 because Florida was, was getting ready to take care of business. But that's another story at another time. But I do want to say, even when I mention the name Georgia or Florida, there's an emotional attachment. There's a thing that we got to be careful. We don't get too emotionally attached to things. Otherwise, they can become an idol. So we do have these thirsts for that. And then there's this thing called the spiritual thirst. And what you say, Mark, a spiritual thirst, what does that look like? It looks like it would, it would come across as something like, I'm just not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. There's something not right. You got something inside, but you just know there's more. There, there's this uneasiness that I'm not experiencing all that life has to offer. There's this understanding that an unsettlement that there is more. And that's where that spiritual comes in, that there's something deep inside that seems out of sorts. Jesus came to fulfill all three of those. And I want to say to you that if we, if we're not careful, we'll focus on our physical and we'll focus on our, our emotional, but sometimes our spiritual thirst, we kind of let that go and, and it really plays, wreaks havoc on our lives. So I want to ask you a question this morning. How are we going to quench our thirst? How do we do that? We know physically that I can get something. I just drank in front, drank water. And we know emotionally it's going to, it's, we're going to be attracted to different things to help, whether it's a, a movie, you know, right now they were talking about starting the Hallmark movies and Lifetime. The, oh, I want to, I want to get those emotional feelings going. But I believe this, if we'll look more at our spiritual thirst and we begin to satisfy that, I believe it'll change a lot of not only what we drink physically, but what we take in emotionally as well. Uh, in Psalm 63, David put it this way, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My emotion, my will, my mind. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Like my physical, I want you. And as in a dry and weary land where there is no water... Like, I am so desperate to experience you. I'm so desperate to, to, to connect with you. David had that understanding. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus, one of the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And many people have many definitions, definitions for righteousness. I would just simply put it this way, a right way of doing things. The right way to do things. So whoever 
hunger and thirst for that? Jesus said, if you'll do that, you'll be filled. So this morning, I want to look at real quickly how the soldiers tried to fulfill Jesus's thirst. In John chapter 19, we looked at verse 28. Verse 29 goes on to say, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When Jesus said, I'm thirsty, somebody, somewhere, somehow, had a pitcher of sour wine, of, of wine vinegar. And maybe you know this, and maybe you don't, but really, that was a very common drink. I, I When I first started studying all this, I'm like, wine vinegar, that doesn't sound very satisfying right now. I know that there's a, a thing going out that apple cider vinegar, all these things, that, the nutritional value. But if you look back, there's a there's a drink that they made up and it's called Posca, P-O-S-C-A. And that is a drink that the soldiers, the, the legionnaires and really the, the lower income people drank that because it was wine that had gone bad. They didn't have the the way to refrigerate uh, refrigerate and the way to, to keep wine. And so when they opened it, it would go bad. And they, they found a way that if they added water and added some, some, some herbs to it, they're like, this ain't so bad. And so it was cheap and it was available. And so the soldiers would drink it. They would have it in all the canteens, have it all over that they could do it. And so they're sitting here thinking, hey, he's thirsty. We'll give him some of ours, what we normally drink, and that would satisfy them. You know, one of the interesting facts about that is they didn't even know back then that by drinking that, it did destroy some of the germs that, because the water, and it tasted better than water. I know when we think of water here in America, we don't really have that bad of water. That we get bottled water, and we have water purifiers at all of our house. Back then, that was not the case. A lot of times, the water that they drank was really had, had a bitter taste and really wasn't that good. So, the 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 Pasca was actually to them like, "Hey, this is better than tasting nasty brown water. This stuff that kind of that we get a hold of." And so, it did work for them. But for Jesus, I believe that there's two things that one. He actually, by by them offering it, they didn't even know they were fulfilling another prophecy that was. In, in, uh, in Psalm 69, verse 21, it says this, 21b, it says, They offered me sour wine for my thirst. A thousand years earlier, and they're, they're, they're even fulfilling Scripture, thinking they're just trying to help Jesus, and all they're doing is help Him to accomplish all that He, to, to leave no doubt that He is the Son of God. That he is the Messiah. You know, we have to be careful uh, how we try to go about filling our thirst. Many times, if we're not careful, we'll try to, to, to drown our thirst and try to uh, try to help our emotional thirst as well as our physical thirst by drinks that will not help us. One of them is with the wine. In, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life or will lead to debauchery or, you know, just kind of free living, it said, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote saying, hey, you know what you need to do? There's a there's a longing you have and there's a thirst that needs to be satisfied. But just a simple physical drink, whether it's wine, any type of alcohol, just water itself, that's not going to ultimately 
fulfill what you really need and what I really need. In John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he says this, this is a woman that is out at 12 noon getting something to drink. And if anybody knows anything about that culture, they'll know that you don't go at 12 noon in the desert to go get something to drink in a dry, weary land. You go out in the morning when it's still cool, but because of her lifestyle, she didn't feel comfortable being around other people. Jesus knew, knew that, shows up and asks her for a drink. And in John chapter 4, verse 10, um, when she said, when he asked her for a drink and she said, you don't have anything to get, draw it, for, draw it with. Jesus answered and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what's amazing to me, and it's such a, 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 an encouragement to me, here you have the Son of God, fully God and fully man, who's crying out, the man, I'm, I'm thirsty. And yet, here it is, the living water. The, the, the living water is saying, I'm thirsty. This is a powerful thing for us to realize that God wants to satisfy every part of us. He goes on to say, because she says, give me some of this. Give me some of that water, whatever. I don't want to keep having to come to this well. She didn't understand that it wasn't just a physical thing. It was a spiritual thing. He was going to, by fulfilling her spiritual thirst, it was going to satisfy and give her an understanding and help her walk through her life in such a different way. In verse 13 of John chapter 4, he said, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, and I'll say, everyone who drinks of this water or anyone that you have right now, um, we'll be thirsty again. So we take a drink. A little bit later, I'll get thirsty again. You will too. He said, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to give you a little sprinkle he said, I'm not going to give you a little douse. He said, I'm going to give you a river. I'm going to give you, I'm going to put something inside of you that will transform you in such a way that it will, it will, it will have a major effect on your emotional thirst. It'll have a major effect on your physical thirst, my physical thirst. And so I want to, I, I love what, what uh, later on in the gospel of John, John records another time where Jesus mentions water. And I want to, I want to help you. Grab this one. They're at a festival. It's called the Festival of Tabernacles. Um, and on the last day, it, and by the way, with Jews festival, they usually last a week. And as it went on, just like anything else we do, it gets better and better. And so on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. One translation, it said, he yelled and he said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. It's amazing he made that statement. He went on and said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Now, here we are. We have Jesus on the cross saying, I'm thirsty. And just a couple years earlier, he said, come to me and I will, I'll, I'll cause rivers of living water to flow out of you. Listen, the one thing that we have to recognize is that no matter what we search for, 
No matter what our physical thirst, where it tries to take us, our emotional thirst, where it tries to take us, the only real satisfaction that we can find on this earth is by acknowledging Christ as our living water, as the one that came to give us life. John 10.10 said, The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but he said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So that it's within. It's not something without. It's not something I gotta go to a well and draw from. It's not something I gotta go get. It's something I get to receive. And it's something that stays in there and it continues, continually bubbles up within me. Let me say it this way. Jesus was thirst, was thirsty so we could be filled. He was thirsty so that we could be filled. So if we know that and we allow Him to fill us, The second question I have for you is this. How are we going to help quench others' thirst? See, it's one thing for me to receive, and it's one thing for you to have this this river of living uh, water flowing in and experiencing the joy, the forgiveness, the the breaking of bondage, the the freedom that we get to experience. It's one thing for us to have it, but Jesus wants us to quench other people's thirst. Matter of fact, in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, I know that we can't be here in this physical building together because we are... We, well, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. We could, but out of honor for God, honor for people, and honor for government, we've said, you know what, we'll, we'll reduce it and we'll help break this virus that's trying to kind of kind of sweep through our our neighborhoods and everything else. And so we are doing the social distancing, but we can still reach out to those around us, especially our neighbors next to us. Um, in verse uh, verse 16 of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells right there in the midst, right inside of you? So you've got the spirit of God, those who've, uh, who've made Christ your Lord and your Savior, those who have surrendered your life to Him, you gave your life to Him, and Jesus said, good, I'm going to give my life to you. And He deposits His Spirit in us, according to Romans 8, that by we, we have this, this deposit within us, the Holy Spirit, and it fills us, and it continually meets all of our needs. And when we look at it and said, we've got this right inside of here, we've got to be careful that we don't get locked into a building and say, well, if I can't be there, then I guess we're not, the church isn't together. I'm saying right now what we're doing is a very powerful thing. I want to thank people like uh, I Met Media, Kim and TJ Thompson, Taylor Dowdy, and others. Uh, we got Amy Gordy here helping and, and, and my son. We've been talking about trying to do online services, but really, you know, this is one of the benefits, I think, and I'm excited. This is our second one ever that we get to do this coming to you and streaming this so that we can have a, a greater impact. And I do encourage you to invite people, invite your friends uh, to, to come along and, and to, to sit and watch or to, to join you online. I encourage you to do that. Knowing that we've got the Spirit dwelling in us, we've got to ask ourselves, what are we doing to help quench the thirst of others? Because I believe this. I believe Jesus called us the salt of the earth in Matthew 5. We're supposed to make people thirsty. We're supposed to make them go, hmm, what, what you, what you got that I, I need some of that? What is it that's going on inside of you? Or what, what's your, your life makes me want to be thirsty for what you have. 
You know, a lot of times we'll sit around and hold something. Advertisers will show a drink or, or they'll have it on a menu and it'll have little bubbles bubbling off and ice and it's looking so delicious. Make you want to go, I gotta have that. Well, I believe our lives are supposed to be such and live our lives such that we make other people thirsty. I, I, one of my heroes of the faith that I grew up learning and studying about is a, a woman by the name of Mother Teresa. Now, I know that she was Catholic and a lot of people, I got a mom right now, hopefully she's watching. Um, she's, she's actually a secretary at the Catholic church I grew up at. And, um, but, but in India, she went to the poorest of the poor and set up shop. And she said, I want to quit on every house that she established where the people were dying of illnesses, all types of disease. She had two words written up there. She says, I thirst. I she put Jesus's this this sentence, just two words, I thirst. And this is what she said. Jesus's thirst on the cross, we associated with our love and action. In other words, because of his thirst, that we've got to be thirsty to make a difference in other people's lives. We've got to say, what is it that, that God wants me to do? I've got this water, this living water inside of me. How can I help other people experience this? And I want to challenge you that in Matthew 25, Jesus said this. He said that he had, he had talked about the righteous servant. He said, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And in verse 40, he said, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did this for me. See, it's one thing to have water. I know we've seen recently because of this pandemic, we got to see what people are really, really what what some of them where they where their where their loyalties, where their heart is that you'd walk into a store and shelves would be emptied out because of fear that they may not have enough. Church, we, we can't operate like that. We always have enough. We, we always have this water bubbling up and we've got to be willing to give that out and share that. Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these. You've done it unto me. And in closing, I just want to challenge you for a moment. Since you've got this divine distraction, so to speak, I want you to ask yourself, what are ways that I can personally reach out to those around me? Maybe you need to make some phone calls. Maybe you need to write a letter. You know, when, when we started this process of, of having to speak in front of a camera and talk to you, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, Bleh. it was just really not a an exciting thing for me. But at the same time, I realized, you know what? Paul, if he had an opportunity, he'd have probably done it. Sitting in prison, he actually, some of the verses we've quoted, he was in prison going, well, I'd love to be with you right now, but I can't. But I know what I'll do. I'll write you a letter. And it's the words that we still study today. It had an impact. The water kept flowing. He found ways to reach out and strengthen and empower the church. I want to challenge you during these days that we are the church. That the Spirit of God resides on the inside of us. And we, I want you to think and pray ways. God, use me to reach my neighbor. Use me to reach my neighborhood. Use me to reach my city. And we're praying too as a, as a group of pastors and elders. We're, we're thinking of ways right now, Lord, what can we do in the midst of this? Uh, and, and, and you'll be hearing those later. We'll, we've got ideas, but you know, at the same time, we're using wisdom. 
We don't rush into things. We're like, we want to make sure that we hear from God and we can do it in a way that honors God and honors people that's, and love God and love people. So as I close, I just want to, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that God would give you the grace, God would give you the strength, and God would give you the wisdom to make an impact on those around you. If you would, bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for all you do right here, even in the midst of what we have going on. That, Lord, we're still the apple of your eye. Lord, your heart is always still towards us. And, Lord, I thank you for every person that's joined us online right now. Lord, I ask that by your grace and mercy, Lord, those who don't know you, those who have who have still yet to surrender, Lord, I thank you by your grace and mercy, you would draw them to yourself and they would come to the place where they would recognize, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that makes us right and that you deposit your life on the inside so that now the same spirit that dwelled in you, it dwells in us and it quickens our mortal bodies. Lord, I thank you right now that those who don't know you, Lord, you would draw them to that place of surrender. And Lord, those who do, Lord, I thank you for blessing us. I thank you for strengthening. I thank you for giving us all that we need that we can be a light in these very dark times. That Lord, we can, we can shine brightest right now and we can be salt. We can, we can help make people thirst and not only make them thirsty, but Lord, use us to help quench that. God, I thank you for it. I thank you for blessing everyone listening right now online. And Lord, those who will watch it later. And I want to bless you right now. And I want to say, before I do the blessing, I do want to say this. If you have surrendered your life, it's real simple. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, I, I choose as an act of my will to give my life to you. I've made some mistakes. I've done things wrong. But Lord, you did it all well. And you did it all for me. You did it perfect. And you did it for my sake because I, you knew I'd mess up. And so you can just simply say, Lord, I give you my life. And in return, receive his life. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior and turn your life over. If you do that, would you do me a favor and connect with us online? Share with us. Say, hey, I made that. We just want to help you. As a pastor, I'm coming to you saying, hey, I don't have it all together either. But I do know this. I do have the one that lives in me. And I would love to help you on that journey um, together what we can do is make a tremendous impact for the Lord. And so I just want to bless you. If you would put that, you know, some way reach out to us. And I want to bless every one of you right now. If you'll just open your hands to the Lord, you can do something like this, like you're receiving something. And I just want to bless you right now. Lord God, you're the creator of the universe and you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people that your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to every one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.